I am Dr. Irene Pastis. I am a clinical assistant professor with the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine. And today we have Dr. Daniel Majarwich with us. He's a third year internal medicine psychiatry resident at East Carolina University. On today's topic, we will be covering valproic acid. Dr. Majarwich. Hey, everyone. How are you? Good. How about yourself, Dr. Pastis? Good. More excited about this next topic. Let's talk about the history of valproic acid. Absolutely. So valproic acid was initially synthesized in the 1880s. And later on in the 1960s, they realized the anticonvulsant property of the drug. And it was initially FDA approved for epilepsy in 1983. But later trials looking at valproic acid actually saw some efficacy with bipolar disorder as well as migraine prophylaxis. Specifically, they're using divalproic sodium, which is a one-to-one ratio of the sodium salt and valproic acid, and that was shown to be effective. And FDA approved valproate in 1995 for treating bipolar, and it continues to be a common medication that we use in psychiatry. And it's a very effective medication, too, often used for acute mania. So let's talk about some of the common brands that we might encounter Absolutely. So again, valproic acid is the the generic that you might see, as well as divalproic sodium. The most common name that you'll hear is Depakote. And there's various forms of valproic acid, including gelatin capsules, syrup, extended release forms, short release forms. And so we really do have a plethora in our arsenal for how we can best treat uh, patients. And it's always very helpful to have these different formulation options, especially for people that can't tolerate the size of the pill, since it is a big pill. And the liquid is commonly used by psychiatrists. Absolutely. And something to add on as well is when you're talking about the different forms and and dosing them, when you do switch from the immediate release to the extended release, the bioavailability does change. And that's a really, really important point to know for your patients. So again, if you're switching from the immediate form to Depakote ER, the bioavailability goes down, goes down to about 80%. So you will have to increase the dose about 8 to 20%. Exactly, and I'm glad you bring that up because that is something we always have to take into account. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of Valproate. Absolutely. So Depakote is a highly bound, uh, protein-bound medication, and its half-life is about 9 to 16 hours. Again, as we discussed with lithium, usually we can check a, a dose, you know, five days or so after starting it once it's in a steady state. But for acute mania, you can really see results within a few days. In terms of metabolism, the major pathway includes glucuronidation and beta-oxidation in the mitochondria, and there's some minor pathways through the cytochrome system as well. In terms of the mechanism, it's believed to really affect GABA levels in the brain, as well as blocking voltage-gated ion channels, which is why it's also useful as an anti-epileptic medication. This is one of the reasons why they think it's helpful for mania. Exactly. It has some effect on GABA, but also sodium and calcium channels. That's a good point. And the level that we usually look for is about 50 to 100. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about dosing. 
Yeah, so usually for mania, we can start at 15 milligrams per kilogram, and we can do this in two divided doses or once daily if you're using the extended release form. However, we can push this dose a little bit more, even closer to 20 to 30 milligrams per kilogram for a quicker onset. So for patients that have acute mania and maybe uh, acute danger to themselves or others, you may want to push the levels a little bit higher in order to get a, a quicker effect. That's, that's exactly right. And I usually, a little more aggressive in terms of the levels, so I, I'm usually uh, dosing at 25 mg per kg. And you will see neurologists but also psychiatrists dosing Depakote at that level. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some in- some of the indications and other clinical uses of valproic acid. Absolutely. So the FDA-approved indications include acute mania, mixed episodes in bipolar 1 disorder, as well as other non-psychiatric conditions like complex partial seizures, simple and complex absent seizures, as well as for migraine prophylaxis. Of course, in psychiatry, we use these in other degrees, including maintenance for bipolar disorder, bipolar depression, even for folks with psychosis or schizophrenia as an adjunct. And it does work well for mixed stage 2 and rapid cycling, so that's a good option to have as well. Let's talk about some of the labs that we should be monitoring with Depakote. Absolutely. And so it's important to get a baseline CBC, CMP to look at the liver function tests, as well as your coagulation labs and a pregnancy test prior to initiation. It's also important to consider some metabolic screens like fasting glucose or A1C or lipid profile because weight gain does occur with Depakote. And then as long as they're on the medication, it's important to consider getting liver function tests and platelet counts, especially during the first few months, and then maybe once to twice a year while they're on treatment. Again, monitor their BMI and weight while they're also on Depakote. And as Dr. Passis mentioned earlier, I think it's really important to monitor blood levels at times, especially when you're concerned about efficacy or side effects. That typical range is about 50 to 100. What's really important to know, though, again, is valproate is highly protein-bound. And so if you're in a low albumin state, think about cirrhosis, renal failure, severe burns, your levels may actually appear normal to low despite high concentrations of free valproic acid. And again, that's because there's less albumin for it to bind to. And so you could consider getting a free valproic acid level We don't typically get those in psychiatry all the time because, again, for efficacy, we use that 50 to 100 level with the total valproic acid level. Not many labs have the free valproic acid level, but it's something to consider. Right, exactly. Checking a level and then making sure uh, you check liver function tests and platelet counts since Depakol can definitely damage people's liver. Let's talk about contraindications to its use. Absolutely. So any severe hepatic disease or hepatic dysfunction, you should avoid using valproic acid. Any node mitochondrial disorders, any hypersensitivity, um, or any urea cycle disorders, you need to be careful. Of course, with pregnancy, um, and this is something we'll discuss a little bit later on, but there is a risk to the fetus, especially in terms of neural tube defects. And so you really have to weigh the risks and the benefits before starting this medication. And that brings us to our next point, which is common side effects and toxicities to monitor. Yes, and of course, there are some black box warnings that we should be aware of. Again, hepatotoxicity, and this usually happens within the first six months of treatment. Uh, Additionally, anyone that has mitochondrial disorders, 
uh, of course, the fetal risk with neural tube defects or other major malformations, as well as with pancreatitis. It is rare, but there have been reported fetal hemorrhagic cases, and so that is a black box warning. But some common side effects you might see include some abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, kind of GI distress symptoms. You may see some headache, weight gain, as we had discussed. Of course, there could be some blood dyscrasias, specifically thrombocytopenia, and that's why it's important to check for platelets during treatment. Neurologically, you might see things like tinnitus, apaxia, dizziness, and those can be dose-dependent. So also monitor patients for those as well. Um, alopecia is one you might see. And there is an association with a decrease in bone mineral density. So for the primary care providers listening, it is important to check DEXA scans when someone is on Depakote over time. And another good point you mentioned, hemorrhagic pancreatitis is not something that is commonly seen, but it can be fatal. As psychiatrists, we do see it. We have had patients with hemorrhagic pancreatitis. And I think one thing that patients often complain about, whether they are on lithium or Depakote, is that tremor you mentioned that can be dose-dependent. Absolutely. What are some of the important drug-drug interactions that we should be aware of? Yeah, probably one of the biggest ones we should talk about is with lamotrigine or lamictal. So valproate inhibits lamotrigine metabolism. So if you have folks that are on lamotrigine, you do have to decrease that dose. And we'll talk about that in a separate podcast, but it is something to note now as well. Additionally, plasma levels of valproate may be lowered by certain hepatic enzyme-inducing medications. Think about your inducers like phenytoin, carbamazepine, phenobarbital. So always be careful when you have multiple drugs. Additionally, for the primary care setting, valproate can increase unbound warfarin. Warfarin is highly protein-bound, so that is something to consider. But those are some of the major drug and drug interactions that we see. And also aspirin can increase valproate plasma levels too. So that's another big one too to think about. Well, good. And Dr. Majorwich, since uh, valproate has some serious side effects, let's go over those side effects and toxicities. Absolutely. So there are some black box warnings. Again, hepatotoxicity. And you can usually see this during the first six months of treatment. For folks that have mitochondrial disorders, you have to be careful as well. As we discussed, the fetal risk, especially with neural tube defects or other major malformations or serious side effects, as well as with pancreatitis. It is rare, uh, but we do see it, and you can get potentially fatal hemorrhagic cases. But some common side effects you might notice include GI distress, like abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting. You may see some headaches, some tremors, weight gain. Of course, there are some rare side effects, but things to monitor like thrombocytopenia and blood dyscrasias. Neurologically, you can also get tinnitus, ataxia, and dizziness, and these can be dose-dependent as well. Furthermore, things like alopecia you should be aware about, uh, and there is also an increase in ammonia levels, hyperammonianemia. And so for folks that may come in with altered mental status, delirium encephalopathy, it's important to check ammonia levels, especially when someone's on valproic acid. This can also be compounded by concurrent topiramate use, so it's always important to do a good medication reconciliation. And some other side effects you might see include decrease in bone mineral density. So for folks in the primary care setting, it is important to check DEXA scan on patients who are on Depakote. Yes, that's a good point, Dr. Major, which especially if patients on Depakote come in confused, 
checking on typical levels as well as on ammonia levels. Very important, making sure you're ruling out hyperammonemia. And in terms of tremor, I know we mentioned earlier lithium can cause tremor and also Depakote, and Depakote can have a dose-dependent tremor. And patients do complain about that tremor quite frequently. And now, what are some important drug-drug interactions that you would expect with lithium? Yeah, so probably one of the biggest ones we should talk about are lamotrigine. Uh, Valproate does inhibit lamotrigine metabolism. And so we must reduce the lamotrigine dose by about 50% when we're using them together. And we'll talk about this more specifically when we discuss lamotrigine in a separate podcast, but it is important to note that here as well. Of course, plasma levels of valproate may be lowered by various hepatic enzyme-inducing medications. These include phenytoin, carbamazepine, phenobarbital. So it's important to be aware of other drugs on the medication list. In the primary care setting, you may see folks on warfarin, and so valproate does increase unbound warfarin. So it's important to monitor those levels as well. And of note, aspirin can also increase valproate plasma levels, so something to consider is checking, again, Depakote levels. But like you mentioned, uh, Depakote and Lamicta interactions can be serious, and we will talk about that somewhere in our next podcast on Lamotrigine. And I look forward to learning some more about these medications with you, Dr. Majarwich, and I'm sure our audience is looking forward to hearing more as well. Absolutely.